expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Interesting gentlemen. A one-cell creature resembling more than anything else a huge individual brain cell. Yes, that would answer a lot of questions, wouldn't it? Do you understand what I'm suggesting, Captain? I think so. This may be one cell in a larger organism, an incredibly huge organism, in fact. And although it is not physically connected to the other cells, it is nevertheless part of the whole creature, guided by the whole, drawing its strength from the whole, which probably accounts for its unusual resistance to our phaser weapons. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, August 23rd, 2012. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into colour, colour into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And you can call us at 519-661-3600 if you want to join in on our conversation today. Hopefully it'll be a conversation, a two-sided conversation at least. Or you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, where our theme for today, I guess, is more or less freedom of speech, isn't it, Robert? I, I like uh, to call it, can you hear me now? Okay, because <laughs> we're looking at two different angles of it, I guess, and you're going to be looking at a broader uh, picture of the larger issue towards the end of the show, whereas I'm going to focus on, of course, uh, what I call wing nuts, the right wing nuts and the left wing nuts that have all been out screaming at the top of their voices, wanting to be heard with various rallies that uh, various levels of government have caught themselves into. That's right. If you want your message out there, just yeah. scream louder. Yeah, and then we'll hear you. Sure we will. Yeah. Uh, last week on the show, um, co-host Paul McKeever featured last weekend's then-upcoming Al-Quds Day, if you recall, and concluded right near the end of the show that even though it is explicitly expressed that way, the annual leftist hate fest is really not against Jews or against Israel per se, but about a greater political battle and that he defined as theocracy versus democracy. And I think he was right. This past weekend or so, I've been witness to an extraordinary spectacle and contrast, Robert, between how our Law enforcers treat various so-called religious protesters, and even the media, how they treat them. Or protesters, you know, who might be representing so-called protected visible minority groups, or protesters who use violence, as opposed to the way that they treat innocent bystanders and peaceful, non-violent protesters. It's like shades of G20 all over again, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for one half of our story today, I think Ezra, or half of the story I'm bringing today, Ezra Levant's August 21st London Free Press commentary pretty much said it all. Sharia law rules day at protest, in which he called Al-Quds Day an annual Hate the Jews Day, celebrated, quote-unquote, right on the property of the Ontario legislature with the Ontario legislature's official approval. It just went ahead this past weekend in municipal centres, not just here in Ontario, but across the country. Now, for the other half of our story, and this is the one that was just manifesting itself over the weekend, too, 
London City Hall's latest so-called flag flap. I know you're totally almost new to this, Robert. You're just hearing about this. Yeah, about I was away for a couple of yeah. weeks. <laughs> about flying a Christian flag in an upcoming demonstration. On a, a, a Christian flag? Yes, yes, a Christian I didn't flag. know Jesus had a flag. One of the first things I wondered, too, I was just wondering if this was the flag that Constantine carried into battle when he won uh, a battle or something. I don't know. Well, I see it here <laughs> in the, it in the paper. It's a, it's a blue mm-hmm. a square in the top left-hand corner of a white field with a red cross, yeah. and I have no idea who developed that. Have you ever seen it before? Nope. I can't say I've seen it before either. But nevertheless, uh, City Hall has already supposedly approved the raising of this flag. And... Uh, but they approved it before officials discovered that the organizer of the event, G.J. Rancourt, had published negative remarks about Muslims and was former head of the Christian Heritage Party in London, quote, which has called for a moratorium on immigrants from Islamic countries that practice Sharia law. So you see the, the layout here of what's going on. So, so far we've identified four players in this contrast of views. There's the Al-Quds protesters themselves, the Christian marchers for Jesus themselves, uh, the provincial legislature that approved the former to be held on government property, and the municipal government that approved the latter to be held on government property. But they aren't the only players. There's also the media and whose side it picks and why. And there's the police and law enforcement policies as they are applied in practice. So I thought I'd take a look at each of these pieces individually and then see what picture we come up with when we look at the whole a little later on, shall we? Want to do it that way? Let's do that. Okay. Well, let's start with the Al-Quds protesters themselves. Since these events have already taken place this past weekend, we'll hear some of their thoughts straight from the horse's mouth uh, a little later. But who these people are or who they really represent is, is anybody's guess. What they are is very much like what we just heard Mr. Spock describe to Captain Kirk. The single cells of a much larger organism, and although not physically connected to the other cells, nevertheless part of the whole creature. While the single cell preaches hatred against specific identifiable groups, maybe other single cells, like Jews, the whole creature is in fact a theocracy, which wants to destroy another creature called democracy. And I think that's the layout of the land on that front. Second set of players, the Christian marchers for Jesus themselves. This is a little more complicated in terms of its organizers. And because of the fact that the event's still in the planning stages and hasn't happened yet. Now, if I understand the situation correctly, according to the coverage I saw in the London Free Press, it was actually a Catholic diocese church that proposed the march for Jesus. But Rancourt suddenly appears on the scene with his own prayer fest to be held at the end of that march in Victoria Park. Quote, But Rancourt has promoted the two events as being joined at the hip and has told the free press he is director of both, end quote. Bishop Ronald Fabro has already issued a public statement to clarify that his church's march for Jesus is not affiliated with Rancourt's prayer fest. Despite that having been reported by Jonathan Scher in August 21st edition of the Free Press on the following day, the paper nevertheless describes Rancourt as, quote, organizer of both this weekend's Prayer Fest and March for Jesus in a feature by Kelly Pedro that took up two-thirds of a page in which all of that other stuff was totally ignored, never even came up. 
Instead, what that article focused on was Rancourt's past publicly expressed opinion about Muslims, and that was the whole focus of the feature. And the fact that those comments have fueled interest in his March for Jesus, so much so that, quote, I've increased the T-shirt order for the March for Jesus by 50%, end quote. He says he's expecting thousands to attend. So the city could get packed this weekend if that's true. Rancourt also wants to have a Christian flag flown behind City Hall, for which he also received permission, and which City Hall was reconsidering at the time of Kelly Pedro's report, which was yesterday, August 22nd. Unflappable flag bearer was the title of that article. Now there's a third player in this, the provincial legislature, back to the Al-Quds issue, <clears throat> that approved that to be held on government property. By its action and approval, it basically has said, and in Ezra Levant's words, quote, that's all fine, anti-Israel de- demonization, pro-Iran propaganda, with the flag of a banned terrorist group. Not only is that fine by the Speaker of the Ontario Legislature, but a full complement of Toronto City Police were there too, end quote. The province has an Ontario Human Rights Commission, whose mandate it is to combat hate speech and discrimination on the basis of a complaint. When David Menzies of Sun News informed the HRC, quote, that the hate rally in question was a pro-Iran rally, uh, the OHRC said they wouldn't intervene. Not their business, they said, writes Levant. And he continues, that's no surprise. In the 30 years plus that Canada has had human rights commissions and hate speech laws, not once... Has an extremist Muslim, Sikh, or Tamil been charged with hate speech? Only whites are, particularly low-income, blue-collar whites, typically for things written on obscure internet chat sites, like Mr. Rancourt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and typically Christians, too. And typically Christians, you're right. That's uh, We've noticed that ourselves. We've given we've them, them a lot of show. over and over again, a lot of them. Yep. So, in other words, the provincial legislature does not consider its own standards when applied to certain groups. And Ezra asks the obvious question. Would a group of white supremacists be able to hold a rally at Queen's Park flying swastika flags saying exactly the same things about Jews and Israel that have been said at these rallies? It's amazing. So the provincial government and its policies are explicitly racist, favoring some groups, usually those officially identified as protected minorities, over others before and under the law of the land. Now, I have to add to his own credit, Levant made it very clear in another part of his commentary that, quote, this is not a call for censorship against the Al-Qud racists. Racism shouldn't be illegal, end quote. And I thought, geez, that's a daring statement to make. Do you agree with it? I'm not wondering. You know, uh, if racism shouldn't be um, illegal, then what's wrong with the government being racist? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it should be. I think what he meant in his statement, though, is that the expression of maybe hatred and hostility shouldn't be against the law per se unless you're threatening someone specific with something specific. Though I can't pretend to be speaking for him, so I don't really know where he was going with that particular observation. Then there's the fourth player, and now we come back to the flag issue. The municipal government that approved flag raising to be held on government property, namely the City of London. Now the city has a policy, quote, Flags are barred from political or commercial groups or those whose philosophies espouse hatred, violence, or racism, end quote. So, you can see why that's a sticky problem for them now. Um, 
if the city disallows Rancourt's flag-raising ceremony based on that policy, then it would be saying that Rancourt, or any group he represents today and or in the past, quote, holds philosophies that espouse hatred, violence, or racism. In right? other words, they'd be um, maybe, maybe uh, libeling him. Quite possibly. Yeah. On the other hand, if the city allows the event to go on, then that could be seen as being support for a thinly disguised anti-Muslim rally. <laughs> Really? Which is what, what, what they're seeing it as and how they're framing it, right? Well, and and so, which, by the way, is the only reason that the London Free Press has taken up this issue, if you ask me. First of all, you have Christians and you have anti-Sharia um, Christians. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason. Otherwise, this would never appear in the Free Press. They would never go out there and say, hey, there's a Christian rally or a prayer fest at City Hall. Why don't everybody attend type of thing? Like they do for many other groups who fit their uh, political ideology. Well, it's funny, you're already leading into my train of thought for the next part of the show. Oh, but, I'll let you continue. Uh, no, no that, was a, that was a valid thing to mention. And um, But, you know, the, the city itself right now is in the double damned dilemma. You know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you have to sort of ask which rock and hard place are you most comfortable sitting between right now. That's pretty much where they are. So, as I was just about to say, and Robert just brought up, we'll get to players five and six, the media and the, poli and the police, after this break coming up now, which features on the other side of the bumper an August 19 report on Al Quds by Press TV Calgary, which was posted on Pamela Jeller's Atlas Shrugs site. But on this side of the bumper, we'll hear an extraordinarily clear statement, and one I agree with, by the way, by Ontario Progressive Party leader Tim Hudak. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. On Al Quds, perhaps the first such statement I've ever heard him make. Uh, still can't make sense of what his party's plan for Ontario is. <laughs> yeah, still doesn't excuse <laughs> no. the rest of his yeah. idiocy. But, <laughs> but I have to give him two thumbs up for this response to a question that he got on Sun News TV. And we'll be back to continue the conversation. Later this month, there's this controversial rally planned for Queen's Park. It wouldn't be the first time we're hearing about it, but it, this is this Al-Quds rally. It's raising a lot of concern among Jewish groups. This is a, quite controversial. Now, some background, the group at the helm labeled Jewish nationalists in Israel as oppressors and criminals, and I'm quoting. What's your comment to that? fact that they can go out there at Queen's Park and wrong. hold this rally. No, I, I think it's wrong. And it's not just gr Jewish groups that feel that way. I think the broad-based uh, Ontario community would say this is, this is absolutely wrong. And this Al-Quds rally started 33 years ago with Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran uh, that celebrated the last Friday of Ramadan, but then also to call for Muslims to rise up to destroy Israel. That's what it's all about. And calling Israelis uh, oppressors and, and criminals. That type of anti-Semitic hate speech has no place in our province and is certainly has no place on the grounds of Queen's Park. Can you imagine that? The background of Queen's Park, which is supposed to be the church of democracy, if you will, in our province, and you have that kind of hate speech, it's wrong, it shouldn't be there. All right, progressive conservative leader Tim Huda joining us in studio. It's nice to talk to you. My pleasure, thank you. Activists amassed on the streets of Calgary to recognize Al-Quds Day. Al-Quds Day takes place on the last Friday of the holy month of Ramadan and represents defiant opposition to the Zionist colonization of Palestine. Activists say that the frequent violations of international law and international morality exhibited by Israel behooves the Canadian government to take a less one-sided approach to the Israel-Palestine conflict. Such activists call on the Canadian government to emulate the more moral foreign policies of states such as Iran, which refuses to recognize and legitimize apartheid-like regimes 
such as the one that currently unlawfully occupies Al Quds. If today we still had capital punishment on the books in Canada, um, the act of our Prime Minister putting the interests of Israel above the interests of Canadian uh, Canadians would be considered a, is a treasonous act. And if capital punishment was on the books, he could be hung for his crimes. They're like their lobbying groups and the way that they, they get into our media and the way that they try to take away from the, the truth and from the journalists reporting the truth and everything. It's it's very uh, it's seen very clearly in, in Canadian society and Canadian journalism. So um, and it's something that needs to stop because Canada needs to work for its own interests, not for the interest of a country that's clearly an occupier, clearly unjust. Uh, Activists say that the decolonization of Palestine is a key to world peace arguing that the conflict between indigenous Palestinians and mostly Euro-American Jewish colonizers represents a microcosm of what they call the broader Zionist-induced clash of civilizations between the imperialist West and those proponents of decolonization in the resistance bloc. Zionism is a belief that, you know, Israel has a right to as much land as possible, um, that, that it's their land, they don't need to share it whatsoever, that they have supremacy over the land. I mean, really, to some extent, it's a form of uh, white supremacy. The Canadian government maintains that its Middle East policy is motivated by concerns with human rights and considerations of what is in the Canadian national interest. But activists say that if that was the case, then Canada would be denouncing Israel as a terroristic human rights violator. Activists question how it serves the Canadian national interest to be making Canada increasingly unpopular in the world by siding with Israel. Joshua Blakeney, Press TV, Calgary. And of course, Press TV is the official media of the Iranian government. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, but it's interesting that even the things that were... Uh, said on that particular broadcast were uh, not heard by anyone else. I mean, that is news, what's going on and what's being said at some of these rallies, and we're not hearing about it in the news. And, you know, it's interesting. I was in Toronto this past weekend discussing the issue of Islam in North America with a group of activists and leaders of, uh, of other various groups who were concerned about it. On the very day, Saturday, that the Al-Quds protests were taking place in Queen's Park grounds in front of the Ontario Legislature, so on our drive back to London late in the afternoon, we were scouring all the AM radio stations for any signs of any reports on the protests. You know, was there any detail? Because the media certainly gave the issue some, at least minimal, attention prior to the event. But instead of finding any reports on the outrageous things that were being preached and promoted at these Al-Quds events, which were, you know, also approved by the by the legislature had to, to take place. Well, no, just approved by the sergeant at arms. Well, that's what they the keep saying, man, but the yeah. fact is that they've already established that policy and they can't get away from the responsibility of having it. That's like all our councillors saying, well, the previous council established a policy. You're there to change it. Is it right or is it wrong? Yeah. And, and that's a way that they want to avoid their own, you know, getting involved in the issue, really. But instead of hearing that, you know, I get back to London, and what's in the papers? Just this, this uh, very leftist London Free Press headline, another City Hall flag flap, which, relative to the Al-Quds events, I thought was practically a non-event, relatively speaking, in terms of what we're seeing. The paper uh, is a little obsessed with Rancourt's past comments on Muslims as if his opinions about Sharia law 
is some kind of insult to someone, while at the same time, the comments currently and constantly being expressed by Al-Quds people goes virtually unreported. And they they write, quote, His past remarks about Muslims, including that some should maybe be sent home, have thrust G.J. Rancourt under a harsh spotlight, end quote, reads the heading on August 22nd. Strange, isn't it, that the purely evil and hateful rants against Jews and Israel do not get those who uttered them publicly <clears throat> any harsh spotlights? No spotlight whatsoever. <coughs> exactly, excuse me. They just do not cover um, Muslims no. in, that, in, in any negative light. So, in effect, the persons who scream kill the Jews get no immediate condemnation, while those who suggest that people who object to these people are the ones who deserve the moral condemnation. <clears throat> kind of moral inversion, isn't it? Ezra Levant's column, which originates from the right-wing sun, was an exception to the paper's general trend, but even there, mostly focused on the police reaction to the public obscenity. And that brings us to that police reaction, number six, the sixth factor in there. The police and law enforcement, their policies as they are applied in practice. By, the, by now, those most familiar with this issue have heard about a few bizarre arrests made in connection with these events. Writes Levant, quote, When a pro-Israel counter-protester unfurled an Israeli flag, he was warned by police that if he didn't move along, he'd be arrested and charged with incitement to riot. Did you get that? Fly the flag of a terrorist organization. Get Toronto police protection. Fly the flag of the democratic state of Israel, and Toronto police will tell you to pack it in or face criminal charges. There's another example or two in Levant's column, and you can see some of this for yourself online. Apparently someone was a, with a dog was arrested for being there because Muslims find dogs to be unclean and was told that by bringing his dog into the area, he was being insensitive. Apparently you, you can be a screaming zealot calling for murder and mayhem and still be regarded as being sensitive. <laughs> he was also assaulted, by the way, in the video. Somebody, yes. somebody pushed him, and he pushed back, and so he gets arrested. He's the victim, and uh, he gets arrested. Well, as Ezra concluded in his column, he said, no, the real problem highlighted here isn't the racist ralliers or the useless HRC. I think those are two issues. It's the politicization of the police. How, in the name of tolerance, our police are doing the intolerable. How to protect the feelings of bullies, the police themselves have become bullies. That's the outrage of the weekend. Not foreigners acting like barbarians, but our own police doing so, end quote. That was Ezra Levant on the weekend there. Now, I actually got an email directly from Mr. Rancourt himself during this whole event. He was emailing all the the other, you know, political groups in the area, of which we're one. And he he writes in his own... uh, I don't know, defense or explanation. He says, I would simply explain that the London Free Press reporter has done a remarkable job in creating unmerited but welcomed controversy. Controversy that will increase attendance at our two events manyfold. In fact, thanks to all this free publicity, we should have many from southwestern Ontario and outside London attending as well. I have taken appropriate steps by increasing our Jesus is Lord March for Jesus t-shirt order by 50%. Oh, you're kidding. No. (laughs) Now we understand the real motivation behind this. I have in the past and will in the future stand against Sharia law in Canada. Whether this unwholesome, undemocratic, and persecuting law is allowed to survive depends on good Christian people such as ourselves. If we continue to back down and not speak up, we are affirming any decisions taken. 
they will continue to drive the Christian community into the proverbial doghouse. It is true that the Friday 7 p.m. flag raising is now under review, even though the decision rendered was positive in the first place. I have an, a 3.30 p.m. meeting with city officials, which I assume has already occurred. It would be helpful if you were to provide a supporting flag-raising letter that he could bring to the meeting, he asks. And he says, now is the time to take a stand. For if we lose an opportunity such as this, we shall continue to pay a high price for not defending truth and righteousness. Jesus would do no different in similar circumstances. And concludes with evil prevails when good men do nothing by Edmund Burke, quote, which so many people are using. <laughs> so well, you evil know, people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and evil prevails when misguided people do, do things, mm-hmm. too. You know, it's almost as if they're being hoisted on their own petard in a certain way. And I'm sitting back here just watching this whole spectacle. It's all about non-essentials as far as what the debate's going on. And you know, you have to think about the basic philosophies at play here and why there is, you know, Rancourt is saying, oh, this has got nothing to do with the Muslims, nothing to do with Islam. You know, that's all, that's all behind me. Meanwhile, he's sending out these memos, which is making it a very current event, wants it to be controversial. So we're getting literally two different messages from the guy. And other people trying to distance themselves from him is getting really kind of uncomfortable. So I think there's a train wreck about to happen. I don't know. But while the unconditional love preached by Christians has led to such phenomenon as multiculturalism, you know, it's kind of all unconditional acceptance of differing culture. On the other hand, the fear expressed by religious Muslims both prevents their accepting Christian love and causes them to be isolated from all other cultures. You know, John McMurray used to talk about th- these basic psychologies and the differences in, between the two religions. And given their philosophy and motivation, um, you know, true Islamists have to sort of separate themselves from everybody else in the world, which is what we see happening. Their communities stay isolated. There's almost a wall between an Islamic community and the rest of even the same city they might be living in because they live under different ideologies. But these are two sides of the same coin, the the, the Christian protest and and what's happening with the Al-Quds of, of irrational, irrationality and mysticism. These are not solutions to us getting along with each other. It is not rational to love everyone either equally, which is what we hear from Christians a lot, because that destroys the concept of love right off the top. Although, of course, we know there's different kinds of love, but let's be clear here. If it means to value, we've got to be careful. Or unconditionally, unconditional love, which kind of destroys the concept of morality. If you love someone even if they're evil, then what's, you know, what's the point? You know, it's kind of the religious equivalent of multiculturalism, a multi-religionism. And it's both a guaranteed formula for political conflict and social strife. Meanwhile, as Paul McKeever so eloquently pointed out at the end of last week's show, the Jews are really the distraction that both groups are gathering around because the real debate is about theocracy versus democracy. That's the bigger debate. And I have to say that in this regard throughout my own personal political effort to advocate reality and reason, my strongest and most polarized opposition was the Christian social conservatives throughout, his, throughout my whole political history. And uh, I don't know if you ever recalled what we got from the Sunday shopping deal. Like the, These people had no qualms about someone sitting in a jail for employing too many people on a Sunday or, or giving people jobs on Sunday, opening the stores. They were every bit as, as, as outrageously um, intolerant as the so-called tolerance they're supposed to be preaching. So, 
you know, Christians like usually say we love the sinner, but we hate the sin, and usually that's when they're talking about their opposition to gays. Uh, and now with Muslims, I guess, though Mr. Rancourt still doesn't have his terminology straight. I don't think I ever heard him use the word Islam once. He's sort of attacking the people and not the ideas. And that's kind of odd to me, too. Well, he's going to be hating 1.5 billion people. Well, maybe he does. And, you know, the issue is when you say things like, well, they should go back home and practice their stuff where, where they live, right? Well, that might be good enough for him, but it's not for me. If he attacks... I, I, don't, I don't want to see Muslims going and, and suffering wherever they go. I think that needs to stop, period, because it's not going to stop flowing back over onto our side. Well, not it, only that, if he attacks freedom of religion, the, the uh, freedom to um, believe in what you want here in Canada, he's attacking his own vested interest. You're going yes. to be attacking the Muslims. Who, what's next? The Christians. Actually, the Christians are always well, under already, attack. They're already <laughs> under uh, under attack, you know. And, yes, I, they are. And, and and I have some sympathy for them in that regard, yes. certainly, and certainly for 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 the Jewish community. Uh, none of them deserve these attacks. They should all be able to get along fine. But the, the problem is, the government keeps getting involved, trying to help them all out. You see, and you can't serve two masters, and be one government. You know, it doesn't work that way. The belief that freedom of speech requires that someone else provide the speaker with a podium of sorts, I think, is the total opposite of free speech. I liked what Mike Bradley said. Uh, I heard him earlier this week on the radio. He says, if you want to send a message, use Western Union, not City Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was great, because just like they say in real estate, it's all about location, location, location. And uh, I guess we're at the bottom of the hour for our location and time right now, and we'll have to take a break and continue this conversation when we return on the other side. Bloody Romans! Watch it! There's a few crosses left. Up you go, big nose! I'll get you for this, you bastard! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, don't worry. I'll never forget a face. No! I'll warn you. I'm going to punch you so hard, you Roman git. Shut up, you Jewish turd. Who are you calling Jewish? I'm not Jewish. I'm a Samaritan. A Samaritan? This is supposed to be a Jewish section. It doesn't matter. You're all going to die in a day or two. It may not matter to you, Roman, but it certainly matters to us, doesn't it, darling? Oh, rather. Under the terms of the Roman occupancy, we're entitled to be crucified in a purely Jewish area. Pharisees, separate from Sadducees, and Swedish, separate and Ernst Zundel, the Holocaust denier who lived in Toronto and Montreal for decades, has been released from prison in Germany. He served five years there for inciting hatred and anti-Semitic activities. Zundel says he will remain in Germany. Come back to Just Right, where you can give us a call at 519-661-3600 to join in the conversation. You can also find our past shows at justrightmedia.org and send us feedback at feedback at justrightmedia.org. By the way, that clip on <coughs> Zundel was a year old from mm -hmm. 2010 from CBC News World. And it strikes me as amazing that here's a guy who spent five years in a German prison for Holocaust denial. 
he was kept in Canada in solitary confinement while he mm-hmm. while on through here. I never could get an explanation for why. This guy was treated worse than many mass murderers for expressing views that seem tame compared to what we're seeing out in the streets every day today. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this observation has been made by a number of people besides myself as we're starting to run into it. So, you know, if you think this, this kind of nonsense, nonsense has ended, it sure hasn't. It's just continuing and spreading. Well, actually, he's been out of the uh, limelight now for many years. But well, because he's sitting recall, in a jail cell. He was the, yes, I know. <laughs> that's, that's why. Yeah, and that's the but whole he point. has been out of the limelight, and it, just to refresh people's memory, he's the mm. guy who wore the hard hat. Yes, the the and the denied destruction uh, hat. Yeah, yeah, denied the um, uh, Jewish death camps, and so now he's a free man. So, with his freedom, we're reminded of the fact that, as you say, Bob, Canada does not permit freedom of speech. This is not a country that has freedom of speech. In 1985, Canada found Zundel guilty of quote publishing a statement or tale, namely, "Did six million really die?" that he knows is false and that is likely to cause mischief to the public, sorry, the public interest in social and racial tolerance, contrary to the criminal code, unquote. Now, the ability to tolerate dissenting points of view is a barometer of a nation's maturity. And with Ernst Sundel, Canada proved to be quite immature. If someone published and distributed a pamphlet claiming that, for example, man did not land on the moon an established and verifiable fact, he'd be considered a joke and he'd be shunned, ostracized. Likewise, someone who, uh, like Sundel, claims that Hitler's Germany did not run death camps in clear refutation of established and verifiable fact should be considered a joke and shunned and ostracized. But to imprison someone for their misguided and incorrect beliefs is far more heinous an act than uttering false news. Free speech is the cornerstone of a free nation. I think we all understand that. And it's one of the least understood freedoms that we have. Ayn Rand clarifies the concept for us. Quote, Freedom of speech means freedom from interference, suppression, or punitive action by the government and nothing else. Unquote. It's that simple. But what people don't seem to completely grasp is not what freedom of speech is, but what it is not. And again, from, um, from Ayn Rand, quote, It does not mean the right to demand the financial support or the material means to express your views at the expense of other men who may not wish to support you. Freedom of speech includes the freedom not to agree, not to listen, and not to support one's own antagonists. A right does not include the material implementation of that right by other men. It includes only the freedom to earn that implementation by one's own effort, unquote. Now let's take, a, take this description of Rand of freedom, freedom of speech and, and examine a few of the issues involving freedom of speech which have appeared in the news lately and that we were talking about in the first half of this hour. Most recently, though, we have the Pussy Riot Conviction. Though I'm not sure what, the, what kittens have to do. <laughs> That's the name of their yeah. punk band, Pussy Riot. Yeah, they're, so, they're, they're billed as a feminist organization, but I, I've seen them and there's really nothing feminine about these people. <laughs> but that's my own opinion. Pussy Riot is a Russian feminist punk rock group which puts on public performances on either government property, such as in Red Square, or in a subway, or on top of a trolley bus, or on private property, which they don't own, such as in a cathedral. 
When they performed their bizarre and completely insane antics in the Cathedral of Christ the Savior in Moscow, during a service they were eventually arrested and subsequently convicted of hooliganism, motivated by religious hatred and sentenced to two years imprisonment. During their performance, the group insulted President Vladimir Putin and the Moscow Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. And, you know, I believe there's little doubt that their trial and conviction may have political overtones. What do you think? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not they received a fair trial or whether or not two years is an adequate sentence is not really germane to the topic of freedom of speech. The fact that the group trespassed and disrupted that service is germane. But not brought up in any of the prosecutions or, no. or of any of the news coverage. No, as a matter of fact... So, a Canadian government representative and a member of the official opposition appeared on CTV-TV to call the, convi- the conviction a freedom of speech issue. That is, they thought that the government was unduly restricting the freedom of speech of the group by the arrest and the conviction. Nothing was said of the deliberate criminal trespassing of the group, nor of the disruption of the congregation's service at the time. And these were our MPs. Mm-hmm. They have no concept of what it means to be to have freedom of speech. In Britain and Canada, and undoubtedly in uh, other supposedly freer countries than Russia, we've imprisoned people for longer than two years for political speech, done not while trespassing, but using their own property. And Ernst Sundel is a perfect example. Germany sentenced him. Uh, this is Germany, right? Yeah. A supposedly free country, freer than Russia, you would imagine. He sentenced him to five years in prison for his freedom of speech, using his own resources. He printed his own pamphlets, you know. Precisely. He didn't use government property. He didn't riot. He and most didn't of disrupt. what people know about him wasn't what he was about either. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And, and if you actually read his court case, and I was sent transcripts of it, that's an eye-opener. Most and, court cases are. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it always when people are imprisoned and put away for freedom of speech issues... My experience has been they've always been put away because of some element of truth to what they're saying. Otherwise, the state would not react. Lies do not scare governments. Never have. They live on lies. Uh, the same with Homolka, when, when, when Gordon Dom was telling us the truth about what happened in that court case. He, he would have been prosecuted for that. However, all the rumors and all the lies on the Internet that were circulating were perfectly permissible because they were not true and therefore couldn't be prosecuted. <laughs> Good point. You see? Yes. And, and so... That's why we live in this world of confusion and not being able to make up our own minds. And if somebody says something that's false or inaccurate, then isn't the proper response to correct him? Mm-hmm. No, but the government locks him away. So I'm thinking, hmm. Maybe there's something to his Duh. story. And there always is. And by the way, but I'm not, not suggesting, necessarily I'm not the suggesting story think. that Zundel's story is, has any accuracy. I don't really know. I didn't read his pamphlets, but... He basically contested a statistic and went to jail for that. And mm-hmm. the irony was in the court, they could not prove that six million died. There was no way they could. There were no official statistics to say that. That's been an estimate. And, and even the term Holocaust was invented very late in the 60s. Mm. So when you understand the history of that and what was actually going on, like they're arguing about whether uh, 6 million died or 100,000 died or 200,000. To me, if it's 2 or 5 or 10, it's all the same thing. Yeah, one but, died, it was bad yeah. enough. Yeah. But just compare Zundel mm-hmm. uh, to the Pussy Riot members yeah. who were sentenced to two years 
versus Zundel's five. Yeah, and might get out earlier because they've for, already been in for six, for six, six months. months yeah. yeah, For their, their so-called free speech practiced at another's expense on another's property against that other person's yeah. wishes. That's the cathedral. And in a communist country. <laughs> well, yeah. Yet the pussy riot conviction has garnered massive international attention, even from our own government, who tried to do the same thing to Zundel. The difference is obvious. Mm. It's the content of the free speech which matters. It's the message that matters. The Occupy movement of late is another example of the ignorance of the concept of free speech. When governments tried to remove occupiers from public property, the occupiers cried that their freedom of speech was being infringed. Government property is owned by the government and designated for specific purposes. A park is for recreation, not protest. A city street is for the movement of vehicular traffic, not marches. A public administration building is for office work, not sit-ins. The government has every right to restrict the use of its property to certain activities. This doesn't violate anyone's freedom of speech. Now, mind you, there's actually some governments who have put aside parks or places where people can go and just stand and talk. I think that there's probably one in Hyde Park in London. Uh, not this London, the other London. Where people can go and uh, mm -hmm. talk, stand on a soapbox and spout whatever they wanted. Now, when the Sergeant of Arms here at Queen's Park allowed the Al-Quds Day protesters to spew their hatred of Jews in Israel in front of Queen's Park, he made a grave mistake and revealed his own ignorance of freedom of speech. Queen's Park is the legislature of the province and intended for that purpose alone. It's not and should not be for demonstrators and protesters calling for the annihilation of a legitimate state, nor the persecution of the Jews yet again. Nor should it be used for a tent city for the professional poor, nor for sit-ins, marches, or riots. The sergeant-at-arms should no longer allow any demonstrations at Queen's Park, period, for anybody. That's not what the property is for. The Quebec student demonstrations this summer, another example of the failure of government to properly understand the concept of free speech. While the protesters trespassed onto university grounds and disrupted class and even assaulted students trying to study, the police did relatively nothing. They did very little out of fear of being accused of restricting the freedom of speech of students. They thought this was free speech instead of what it really was. A riot, an occupation, violence, assault. So if you aren't allowed to protest or demonstrate or speak out on campuses or churches or on the public roads or parks and buildings, how will your message get heard? I could simply answer with, that's not my concern, <laughs> and I don't care, which is basically true. But for those out there who still don't get it, I'll illustrate. If you want to say something and you want others to listen, then all you have to do is speak. You can write a letter to the editor, or better still, you can start your own newspaper, as Bob Metz here did with Mark Emery, twice, the London Tribune and the London Metropolitan. Yeah, but they're not around anymore, whereas the public property still is. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to your local Thank university you radio now. station and pitch an idea for a radio show, that's, like this yeah, one. That's where I was going, yeah. Yeah, you can start your own radio station. Although, to tell you the truth, the current amount of government oversight and red tape might make that difficult, but not impossible. You can hire a hall from any private organization willing to rent to you and, and sell tickets to people willing to use, listen to you. If Pussy Riot did that, there'd be no problem. At least I don't think there'd be a problem. You can blog on the internet, like, like we do. Or you can print pamphlets, like we've done. 
and deliver them door to door like we've done or mail them to people if you so choose. You can write a book. You can put on a video on YouTube. You can make a movie. You can paint a picture. You can write a song. There's so many ways that you can get your message out there without going on, uh, violating people's property, destroying things, assaulting people. So many ways to exercise your freedom of speech peacefully and within the law. Trespassing and disrupting the peaceful use of another property is not exercising free speech. It is making an ass of yourself, and you deserve to be punished for it. The Pussy Riot members should just be thankful that they weren't sentenced to spend two years at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center. <laughs> Hard labor in a Russian prison camp sounds like a picnic in comparison. The question is then, why doesn't the government stop such disruptive behavior? Why does it continue to condone and even promote such behavior? And as I said before, it's because of the message. The single characteristic common to virtually every protest and demonstration which uses trespass and violence and disruption as tactics is that the message is always one from the left. Whether it's Pussy Riot, the Occupy Movement, the Quebec Student Riots, or anti-poverty tent cities in Queen's Park, it is the left which is trying to get its message out. And it's aided and abetted by leftist politicians and leftist governments who agree with their message. When they don't agree, as in the odd case with the Pussy Riot members and, and Vladimir Putin, then you can expect to get arrested. In Canada, you can get arrested for peaceably walking down the sidewalk in Caledonia carrying a Canadian flag, while Aboriginal thugs burn police cars with impunity. It's all about the message. The intellectual corruption of not only the concept of free speech, but of all individual rights permeates our societies like a virus. It's in our schools, our governments, our charitable organizations, businesses, the courts, the healthcare system, and the media. It is a very many-tentacled monster. And when you try to cut off one tentacle, another grows in its place. Short of outright civil war and revolution, the only cure for such a virus is the truth. Knowledge and truth are lights which have to be shone on the cancerous message of hate, greed and envy coming from the left. And the only way to, spend, to spread the truth, to spread the light, is by exercising your freedom of speech. I'll continue this on the other side. How is he? To be very frank, Jim, I don't know that I can do anything for Spock or your nephew. The pieces of some form of living tissue. I removed one from Spock's spinal cord, the other from your sister-in-law's body. They're both the same. Now, the boy's far too weak to touch. Besides, the removal of the tissue wouldn't stop the pain anyhow, as far as I can tell. Did you operate on Spock in time? No, no, no. I just removed these for examination. His body's full of these tentacles, entwining and growing all about his nervous system. My nephew? The same. Evidently, when the creature attacks, it uh, leaves a stinger, much like a bee or a wasp, leaving one of these in the victim's body. It takes over the victim very rapidly. And the entwining is far, far too involved for conventional surgery to remove. Recommendations? I'm sorry, Jim. The lab, the science departments. We're all stumped.
must be another answer. You've tried heat, radiation. What other qualities or properties does the sun have? It exists physically. It occupies space. It has mass, therefore gravity. It converts matter to energy. Jim, we've been through it and through it. Radiation, heat. But one other thing you haven't mentioned. It's bright. It radiates a blinding light if you're close enough. Nothing lethal about light. Not to us. But down on the surface, the creatures stayed in the shadows for the most part. Suppose that they weren't simply hiding. Suppose they're sensitive to light. Light like in a sun, close up. A possibility. You can't move Denver closer to the sun, Jim. No, but you can move the equivalent of the sun to Denver. I hope you just got that analogy there. <laughs> My little segue into that clip. And, well, you know, it's funny. I saw, I saw um, a political cartoon where... Uh, an exterminator comes in shining a light <laughs> behind, behind a, uh, you know, the washer and dryer of this housewife and all these little people are scurrying around and goes, yeah, you got liberals all right, lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point exactly. Yeah. You know, during the break we were talking about, is there a, um, a legitimate time and place to protest and demonstrate? And I think there is. Um, in a way, because you had been concerned with, with, with your ban all protesting. Because well, I, I didn't say that. No, 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 but it almost came across sounding like that, and I was thinking to myself, well, there are proper and legal ways to protest, yeah. and they, they generally follow the rules of the sidewalk. Yeah. You have to keep moving, you can't uh, block other people, and just certain civility rules, right? right? But over time, those rules were all worn away, yeah. all of us, especially with union and, and issues like that where they want to block you. And then they got away with that. And then it went one further. Well, let's have an Occupy now. And then the police mm -hmm. don't do anything about that. Then it gets further yeah. until, you, until there's no civility left anymore and there's no room for legitimate protest. But when you look at protests such as with the Quebec um, protests and Occupy, and you've got quite literally tens of thousands of people out there disrupting, that kind of demonstration... That kind of violence, like with the G20s, we're not in a society where we're anywhere near having the necessity for such protests. These protests are all left-wing asking for more gimme, gimme, gimme. Now, you look at, for example, Tunisia, you look at Algeria, Egypt, um, Syria today... But Those then, countries, that's legitimate protest then you're because you're overthrowing to, a dictator. Sure, but then you're coming back to content again, aren't you? Yeah. That no matter how you look at it, somebody's got to judge the content and what's being said. There's always that moral judgment about everything. Yeah. You can't treat the good guys the same as the bad guys. You just have to stop thinking that way. But that's tough to do if you don't know who the good and the bad guys and are. And if you don't understand freedom of speech. Yeah. And there's one other aspect to freedom of speech that's not easily grasped by the left. Now, this is from Ayn Rand. It has to do with censorship. Quote, censorship is a concept that pertains only to governmental action. Unquote. That's it. People don't understand that. This is an important point. Censorship is a concept that pertains only to governmental action. Now, when I was a trustee on the local school board here, we had to uh, receive and approve a list of books used for the curriculum of the system. The list uh, of acceptable material would be handed down from the Education Department of the province, and it was called Circular 14. 
Every time the list came before the board, we were inundated by letters from the public asking that certain books be removed or certain books added to the list. In most cases, the public asked that certain books be removed and they were targeted for removal and they were dealt with subjects objectionable to certain religious organizations primarily. Harry Potter was targeted because it involved magic and that offended some people. Some books were targeted because they were thought to promote homosexuality. Some of my colleagues on the board, as well as some organizations, call such requests attempts to censor. <laughs> you know, Once again, the ignorance of freedom of speech was evident. And these all, are intelligent people. No, I don't know about that. Anybody who's <laughs> afraid of a book that has magic in it is afraid because they believe in magic. Otherwise, it wouldn't would be no fear there. But my point you know? is that and they so, called it censorship when they don't understand yes. the definition of that word. Oh, you know, you know, a phrase drives me crazy with respect to censorship is when people say, "Well, I self censor. I'm I self censor myself. I censor myself." That's uh -huh. that's that's an oxymoronic term. Yeah, you're not censoring yourself. You're making a choice. That's right. <laughs> if an organization chooses not to accept a certain book, it's not saying that the author of that book can't publish it, censoring it. The organization simply making a choice of the many books out there. Not buying a book mm -hmm. is not censoring it. The Canadian government has and still does censor books, although with the internet this is quite laughable, <laughs> to tell you the truth. that they can Everything that they could censor anything these days is unbelievable. Censorship, you still have a censor board. Censorship means that if you print a book that is censored, you could go to prison. If you possess or distribute a prohibited book or video or song, you could end up in prison. Our personal friend Mark Emery can attest to this. And he, he'd probably be here doing that if he wasn't in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Two Live Crew. Right, as he was convicted in 1991 for distributing the Two Live Crew album called As Nasty As They Want to Be, which was banned by the Ontario government. He later distributed copies of cannabis literature, which were also banned in Canada. That is censorship. It's an action by the state. When an individual organization chooses not to print your book or publish your song or promote your video, that's not censorship. It is not a violation of your freedom of speech. It's an exercising of the right to choose by these people and organizations. Now, besides our right to life, liberty, and property, what I call fundamental rights, freedom of speech has got to be the next most important right we have. It behooves us to understand it correctly. Becoming indignant when left-wing miscreants can't get their message out without trespassing or destroying only shows that we really don't understand what freedom of speech means. And I fear for the country, Bob, where freedom of speech is equated with uh, the freedom to riot, the freedom to trespass, the freedom to disrupt and assault, the freedom to destroy. I really do. And I think people have to get their heads around these concepts and understand that your freedom of speech does not mean that I have to provide you with a soapbox and a microphone, because it doesn't. You're right. You know, you've even hit on a bigger issue. A lot of people don't understand what the left is really motivated by. And one of the reasons that they don't use freedom of speech the way we do is because literally they don't have anything to say. They're not in any debates. They don't debate. They don't come on shows like this. We've said this before. We've that said this, the only place all for the debate, debate is, is on, on the right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so what can they do? All they are about is wanting and needing. They're like the the infant that just dropped out of the womb. Scream, scream, scream. Gimme, 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 gimme. gimme. That's all it is. Yeah. And there's no deeper message to anything that they have to say. And that's why nobody wants to listen. And that's why they got to get up in front of the crowd and scream because they think 
will understand them better. Well, we understand it them ties better. It to what we were talking about maybe three themselves. weeks ago when I said that they, uh, they're infantile, they're socially mm-hmm. retarded. They go out there and they, they cause tantrums, uh, thinking that it'll get the attention of the more adult of us. Well, it's got our attention. Oh, it's got our attention, <laughs> all right. And unfortunately, what we do is we end up giving what they ask for, rather than putting them in prison. Not just not the EMDC, for God's sake, that place is a torturous hellhole. Well, you put p- people in prison for their violence and their activities of that nature, certainly never for what they believe in, that's per right. se. That's right. And I guess that's the message for today, is it? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> See if you can hear us next week when we return on our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Hey, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you. Fade into color and color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright The beauty of my plans is that uh, we could actually do them, you know, some of the stuff I'm skeptical about some of the things we spend our money on now our tax money, that stealth bomber that thing, the invisible plane two billion dollars for an invisible plane that you can see Um, (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they just showed you an empty field and like, hey everybody, it's the stealth bomber you know now I'm getting my money's worth. Um, but they don't. They fly it over the Super Bowl. You know, they're like, look, it's the stealth bomber. I'm like, not invisible. Um, you know, turn it on.